Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert to buy now. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From UFOs to psychic powers and government conspiracies, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. A production of iHeartRadio. Hello, welcome back to the show. My name is Matt. My name is Noel. They call me Ben. We're joined, as always, with our super producer, Paul, Mission Control, Deccant. Most importantly, you are you. You are here. And that makes this the stuff they don't want you to know. Stay away from windows. Tonight, we are returning to a fascinating, troubling phenomenon. Since the fall of the USSR, oligarchs have exerted tremendous influence on almost every aspect of Russian politics, from industry to state actions. They run the largest companies. They're they're a new, unique version of robber barons, or they were. As we'll see, they are an increasingly endangered species. The official explanations for these deaths from the Russian government run the gamut from suicides to accidental deaths to family annihilations to uh, death by toad poison. Pretty much everybody except Russia finds these official explanations don't hold up to scrutiny. We're not diving into this one alone, folks. We are immensely fortunate to be joined yet again with returning guest, the author, the filmmaker, the legendary conflict journalist, Jake Hanrahan. Jake, thanks for coming back on the show, man. Hi, mate. Thanks so much for having me. Oh, dude, uh, we're we're so glad that you're here, Jake. We've been listening through Sad Oligarch and... Uh, our heads are reeling. We, we covered this topic a little while ago in an episode a while back. And, you know, at the time, I think that was in 2022, guys, like right at the tail end when some of this was uh, was pretty fresh. And we just had, you know, some stuff online to go on, right? Like stuff that's being written in Sky News Australia and, uh, and other outlets. Um, as we get into this, 
I just want to ask, like, what kind of sources have you been using to delve into this topic and research it? Yeah, well, that's been why there's so much work is having to go into this. So I'm working on this uh, with my colleague and friend, uh, Sergei Slipchenko. He's a Ukrainian journalist, uh, dual dual national in Canada as well. Um, he had to, you know, leave Ukraine when the war war kicked off. I've worked with him over there in Ukraine. Just really, really good lad. Very, very thorough in what he does. So when I started looking into this, I realized like, okay, I don't speak Russian. There's going to be a level where, you know, I just can't really get past. And then when you reach out to people from Russia, they're either very hard to contact or they're like, look, I'm not going on the record here. I'm sorry. I'm just not. It's not worth, especially now the war is on. I was like, right, well, this is going to be impossible. So I spoke to Sergi and he obviously had sources or knew of, you know, vague people that we can speak to. And he speaks Russian and he knows how the networks work and he knows how the kind of social media and, you know, there are other ways around it. Um, So, yeah, really a combination of, I don't want to get too much into it, but like kind of obscure Russian language sources, which you then have to like uh, single-handedly corroborate every single thing and kind of work out, right, what is from the government, what is real, what is maybe room, you know what I mean? And -hmm. it's been a very, very long process. So it's it's a real amalgamation of stuff. But there have also been like a lot of other reporters that have, you know, like yourselves dipped into it, looked at it and been like, oh, there's another one, another one here. Our job was kind of pulling them all together um, and trying to work out what the connections are. And that has proved very difficult, but it seems to be working, you know, it's, it's doing well. There's a lot of stuff we could have put in that we were just like, ah, it's too, we're not sure. And we can't back it up, you know, but it is, it kind of adds to everything. And it's it's been a very weird process. As you'll see as the series goes on, I mean, we're already seeing it now. There's a lot of connections to like oil and gas, you know. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, well, Jake, first things first. I mean, I think a lot of people probably have a general idea of, of the answer to this, but uh, in your estimation or, you know, what, what would you describe an oligarch as and what makes it sort of a uniquely Russian thing? That's a good question. And I don't think it is uniquely Russian, to be honest. I mean, we've called it a sad oligarch. Some of the people on the list that have died that we're looking to, they might not be necessarily like startup oligarchs. They might not fit into there. But it's an easier way for Western audiences to understand it. And it's a little bit of tongue-in-cheek because a lot of the Western sources will immediately call these people oligarchs, even if they're not really. You know, it's like, oh, Russian oligarch, those guys are so bad. And it's like, well, we have a very similar thing in the West. We just call it lobbying, right? <laughs> I don't see any difference, you know? I mean, my my country right now, so Rishi Sunak, the uh, current prime minister, his company firm just did like a billion-dollar contract with an oil company. And lo and behold, this week he's announced, you know, new things, new measures that will help that oil company. Hmm. Oh, <laughs> I no wonder way. why. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, well, that, that in itself, I mean, you know, a, a healthy country would have more focus on it, but, you know, Britain is what it is. And it's it's one of these things where I really, through this series, we we don't want to do the typical, like, haha, silly Russians, they're so weird, look at what they do. It's like, no, every, every country does this. And as you see in the series, a lot of other countries are connected to this, you know, like Luke Oil, for example, have just made record profits. Why? Well, because loads of their oil fields are running still in Europe with the help of EU EU countries and they're making record profits when they're apparently not really meant to because of you know obviously the brutal invasion of Ukraine so it ties everybody in but sorry to answer your question the real for us it's it's someone that has had these 
political influences, um, but they're a businessman. They're, they're kind of meant to be outside of the politics of it, right? So, for example, a lot of these people, they bought up shares in lucrative oil companies that are now half owned by the government, i.e. Gazprom, so they can then influence politicians through various shares that they have through business dealings. Basically, politics, <laughs> to be honest. Right. And an oligarch is like a very specific sample of that. Yeah, and there's something that, uh, really resonates with me listening through here. Uh, you've nailed it already. You've anticipated one of my questions, Jake. Uh, oligarchs, for anybody listening, are not a uniquely Russian phenomenon, despite the way the West may report it. There, There's a intensely disturbing pattern. You see this in one of the, I believe, the very first episode of Sad Oligarch. You say, uh, you point out that uh, in the space of Less than a year, in nine months, more than a dozen of these Russian oligarchs or, let's say, people affiliated with the Russian uh, kleptocracy yeah, have exactly, died. Yeah, yeah have di like the scientists, right? They have died under mysterious circumstances. We have to ask, you know, um, given your deep experience as a, as a journalist and as the creative director of Popular Front, what inspired you to dedicate your time to this? I mean, you're a busy guy, my friend. Yeah, I am. <laughs> and then this, this project has really reminded me of that. Um, you know, I might jump out of a window myself. But no, 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 please don't do <laughs> It's been a very hectic one, but it, it feels really important. You know, I think it's really interesting. And I mean, the short answer is when looking through this, I feel like it really... It really, it's it's a it's a kind of insular way of showing the way the real inner workings of Russia works. When you realise how connected these things are to the government and how ruthless some of these murders or mysterious deaths are, it gives you, in my opinion, a much more realistic look behind the mask, behind the curtain. And again, every country's, uh, you know, in my opinion, well, factually true, I think, <laughs> every country's kind of leading government have skeletons in their closets or doing bad stuff or whatever. But this is a very unique phenomenon where this many people die with all pretty close affiliations this quickly. And as we already know, Russia kind of in their, in one of their words, like perfected the art of like accidental deaths, which were actually assassinations. So I guess that's the short answer, but I mean, it, it kind of came, it's a weird way it came about. Like I was, I was looking at something on 4chan, like not, I wasn't like browsing 4chan, <laughs> but I was looking, <laughs> I was looking for some um, really rude memes. No, I'm joking. I, I was just like, <laughs> I was on there for like uh, research and I just happened to come across this like list that some like 4chan had made. Like it was, a, it was about like six or seven of these. It was like Russian oligarchs die. And I was like, huh, like surely not, you know, like this is some 4chan nonsense. So I looked at it, into it, and I just kind of didn't really think about it. And then it was just on my mind. I was like, I want to know, like, is that actually, like, is that 4chan nonsense or is that legit? Some of them it was like, yeah, it was nonsense. But there was enough of them on the list as I was looking into it to be like, hang on. Like, this is a bit weird now. And then as I got into it, I was like, this is, this is fascinating. And, and my whole career, I've wanted to work out how to do, like, true crime. But in my style, if you like the way I kind of do things, I'm not really into the kind of you know, the more gratuitous shock 
kind of true crime stuff. I really like the old school kind of true crime. Like I, I used to be a big fan of this. Well, I am a big fan of this book called um, Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil. Yes. Um, yeah, right. Great book. And that, that was my introduction to true crime years and years ago. So when I see the new, what I consider kind of new true crime, I'm like, ah, that's not really what it was meant to be about. It was actually quite journalistically heavy and, you know, it had a narrative, sure, but it was very kind of worthwhile reporting. Um, and don't get me wrong, a lot of true crime is still. It's just not the ones I was seeing so often. So I was like, you know what? I, let me let me, let me me look into this. And maybe this can be my, like, true crime project, if you like. And it's very topical and it exposes a lot within, like, the Kremlin. And, yeah, it just kind of came together. And I kind of realised, like, early on, I was like, this is going to be a big project. But it just felt, like, really worth it. Like, the more we looked into it, each case was, like, are you kidding me? Like, you know, when the coincidences get to the point where you're like, come on. Like, and when it hit that feeling, I was like, yeah, this, this needs, yeah, let's do this, you know? Well, can we, can we get into the fact that several of these people have died not in Russia or mm. not in an even, you know, immediately close country to Russia? Uh, I'm thinking about Mikhail Watform who died in Surrey or was yeah, found in dead in yeah. England. So like, when we're talking about these guys being investigated and, and, you know, Russia taking an action potentially, maybe, um, do we think they are operating in England and in Spain? I, I, this is the thing. So I, I, we say at the very start of the first episode, this is real life and there aren't really, we're not the police, <laughs> you know, yeah, so yeah. we can't close any cases. So a lot of the deaths, you know, you have to say, well, look, this is weird. Here's what happened. And here's why it's an extreme coincidence if it is. And here's our theory. It's either A or B. And I think one theory could be, yeah, probably. And I think that there's a lot of evidence to suggest that's possible. I mean, it's already happened. I mean, look at Litvinenko. You know, they got him in Britain. Um, he was poisoned, if anyone doesn't know. And they uh, the Salisbury poisoning as well. I mean, you know, they literally killed the Brit by accident in the process of it. Um, it's just, it's really not at all unlikely. You know, I think any any government as powerful as Russia... Uh, any country as powerful as that, whether it be the US, Russia, whatever, they've got people all over the place doing all sorts of stuff that we don't know about. And it doesn't always necessarily mean it's the government either. You know, like there's a lot of odd business dealings going on and they might say, hey, this guy's got to go. <laughs> we don't like him. I know a guy we got, you know, and it, and it is how it is. And, and or, uh, you know, a lot of it is just a lot of people falling downstairs and out of windows and murdering the whole families. And, you know, it's just a very big coincidence. But I think that's highly unlikely. And I do think probably some of them, there are some things within each one where there's like that bit of it might be a coincidence. And I, I fully went into this. Me and Sergi said, like, if we think that this is literally just a coincidence, we are going to flat out say it and we're still going to report it because you can't only look at the ones that are mysterious and dodgy, even if you boil it down and it's not. But every single one so far, we're eight episodes in, has been extremely strange. You know, this next one that's coming, Dan Rappaport, he was, he actually died in America. Um, he died in DC, fell out a window. And, you know, we thought, I looked at us, I was like, right, this is going to be the one where it's like, yeah, this is just an accident. And then the more we looked into it, oh, he made his money in oil and gas in, in Russia. Oh, he was anti-Putin. Oh, he had to flee Russia. He used to have a nightclub where all the oligarchs went to. And it's like, hmm. I don't know. <laughs> oh, and another guy fell out of yeah. the window like a mm. couple of days before him. It's yeah, it's strange. 
the silent killer windows. Yeah, right. There's, a, yeah. there's even um, there's even a joke on like you know Sergi was showing me it, like kind of social Russian, sorry Russian social media and, and things like that. There's even a running joke of like, you know, oh, you might catch a disease like falling out of a window disease, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> yeah, be careful. You might fall out of a window tomorrow, you know, and it, it's it's become a joke there. It's the new defenestration, you know? It's right, whole thing. right. Yeah. yeah. Mm. It's just a weird thing to me because we're, you know, we're talking about if, if let's say it was a rough Russian operation, any, you know, one of these deaths, right? And it happens in Russia my assumption, and maybe this is wrong, is that you can control the narrative a lot more if the investigating body is more or less under your control, right? But then if you're in, you know, if you're in England or Britain, if you're in the US, if you're in Spain, you know, it does feel like maybe it's a bit harder to control the way the investigation goes, which I don't know, just to me presents a problem that Maybe they don't care. Maybe if it's an actual um, operation, they don't care if any links are made. I don't know. I mean, polonium is a pretty specific poison, right? You know, yeah. there's that, and that 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 point brings us to something else um, that I really appreciate the the points that you and Sergi continually return to. Uh, there's objectivity in this reporting and in these investigations, and even when. Um, we as audience members are thinking, oh, yeah, no, Vladimir Putin had that guy killed. Uh, You're doing the ethical thing and saying we have to, we can, we can bring in speculation, we can make connections, but we have to be absolutely uh, maintaining our integrity when we look at these competing theories. You have early on an interview via a Russian translator with a, with what I think we could call an actual oligarch who believes he's been targeted in the past for assassination. And uh, in that in that interchange, uh, you cite two competing theories about assassinations. Jake, I really like that you asked him one of the big ones. You said, are these mur- the two theories are one, these murders are standing out because the system the operators are kind of on a downward spiral. They're getting sloppy or they're purposely leaving breadcrumbs to say, hey, you can't prove it, but everyone knows this was Russia. What do you think about those theories? I think I think the latter is, in my opinion, more likely. It's, well, I, well, I think it's a mix of the both, to be honest with you. But I, I remember years ago, I read this great book. Um, oh, it's called Noth- Nothing is Real and Everything is Possible. Um, and it's about this guy. He's like a Russian and British, you know, like I think his mother was Russian or his dad, whatever. And one was the mother or the dad was British. And he grew up in England. He grew up in Russia. And he was, it's a really interesting book looking at... Um, the reality TV boom. So like Big Brother, right? So this guy worked in like the mid 2000s in that in England. And then for whatever reasons, he just wasn't getting any work. There was some issues, whatever. So he said, you know what? I'm going to go to Russia and do the same, work in the same industry. And through that lens, he really paints this picture of where the kind of cultural ideas are at regarding the state and the projection out to the rest of the world. And I thought that was very interesting. And to cut a long story short, the thing I really took from it 
I'm not the smartest guy in the world, so maybe it wasn't the right thing to take from it. <laughs> but <laughs> the thing I took from it was when the Americans, let's say example, right? Because like Russia and America always mortal enemies, like the comic book enemy, like beef, right? So, mm -hmm. so if the Americans say like, um, oh yeah, like we had to invade that country to defend America, right? The people go, yeah, we did. But when Russia say we had to go and, you know, invade that country to defend Russia, the Russians are like, yeah, we did. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> it's like the Russian, the American idea of it is like people starstruck and really believing the nonsense, whereas the Russian side of it is more, okay, we don't believe it, but we're cynical. We just got to believe it, whatever. You know what I mean? And I found that really interesting. And my point being, if you then take that kind of idea and match it to these assassinations yeah they might say well yeah yeah we did it yeah we're letting you know you did it what are you gonna do <laughs> you know we'll just deny it and everyone goes yeah well we know that's why falling out a window is a joke <laughs> over there people aren't going this is crazy they're like yeah of course you know what i'm saying so <laughs> right yeah. I, and i think that really speaks to it a lot but that said if you look at the salisbury poisoning and stuff like that there was actually also a huge catastrophe in regards to how they carried it out it was clearly a mess now maybe they just don't care that it was a mess or maybe it's because everybody is so kind of terrified of the guy at the top that the left hand is not shaking the right hand you know what i'm saying it, i mean if you look at i think it's quite clear with the invasion of ukraine clearly nobody wanted to actually tell putin like this isn't gonna work and now we've got a, you know a, a war that's ongoing for more, over a year and a half the, to be honest, okay, it's awful, but it's been also a disaster for Russia. It, it's made their military, which was once considered the second best in the world, look ridiculous. And I, I think that that is part of it. I guess to answer the question, it's an amalgamation of everything, but I really think there's, there's layers to it, but I think there's a cultural aspect of it as well. We're going to pause here for a word from our sponsors, and we'll return with Jake Hanrahan. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. 
When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast from Ruby Studio in partnership with Intel. Explore the future of technology that's rapidly evolving our world today with the help of AI. There's still so much work and research needed to fully understand the power and potential of AI. And Intel is at the forefront of implementing AI and revolutionary technology that's changing the world we live in for the better. In each episode, Graham interviews the minds transforming medicine and healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more while pioneering new uses for AI in these spaces. So tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. This is slightly unrelated, Jake, but I just want to get your opinion on it. I guess what happens in your brain when you read that the United States is sending cluster munitions to Ukraine? Oh, boy. Yeah. Um, well, one of the first things I ever wrote when I was really young, I was like 22, 23. I wrote this article for Vice. I wasn't there. I couldn't afford to go anywhere. But I wrote an article about um, the ongoing disaster that cluster munitions have had on Laos. And I believe it was the most heavily bombed country on earth per capita, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And there was, I I was talking with this NGO that basically demined the area. It was, it was really interesting. Actually, there were these like female teams of deminers for whatever reasons, they hadn't been in work for whatever. And they just happened to be a really good workforce for it. It wasn't like woke cluster munition removal or anything. You know, it was like a real (laughs) legitimate thing. And they were losing hands. Kids were losing hands all the time. Like, you know, and they look like tennis balls, basically some of these things they pick them up, boom, hand is gone. And I was just thinking about that when I was reading that. And I, what really made me annoyed was that to say like, Hey, this is actually ridiculous. Put you on like people like you're pro Russian. Like, no, are you crazy? No, I'm not. I I just think that's really unwise, you know, and it really, was quite stark to see where things have gotten that people were going, it's fine, just give them cluster munitions. And it's, it's firstly, they're not that effective. And secondly, no one was asking for them. And thirdly, history tells you it has always been a disaster. So it seems like a bad idea to me, you know what I mean? A hundred percent. It just sounds good in political theater. Right, for, look what we've sent them. Like, okay, yeah. do you know what those do? And you know, I mean, if anything... It's going to be nightmares for the Ukrainians for decades if they start showering these down. You know, yeah. I mean, it, that's it's like, it's, okay, it might work in the short term. But then when the people go back to those areas and all their kids start losing limbs years after the war, like what is happening in Laos, I mean, it doesn't make any sense. And some people say, oh, well, they're going to deploy them differently. They're not the same. Man, look into cluster munition. A cluster munition is a cluster munition. You know, it's once it's there, hidden in the soil or whatever, there is no strategic deployment. And just uh, just to, I guess, st- say it out loud, a cluster munition is essentially a bomb or something you would launch like a munition and you would see it explode if you were watching, you know, live leak back in the day. Uh, but in this case, it it shoots out a bunch of other explosives that often some of them explode upon impact. Some of them, like you said, Jake, just kind of hang out until they get moved. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's like a it's like a in- incredibly evil 
version of glitter in that once mm. you put it out somewhere, it's everywhere. Yes, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you, even yeah. if you clean it up, there's some left behind all the time. Mm-hmm. This is something that ties back into into these ideas, right? These these consequences for things, you know. Um, as as you said earlier, Sad Oligarch is on. Uh, it's ongoing. There's a mid season break, I, I believe. Uh, again, we we just heard about the depth and difficulty of mm. the investigation process here, um, and I, I do believe that good things take time. So this makes absolute sense. We we've. We would love to talk about some specific cases. We were mm-hmm. uh, just before we started recording, Jake. Uh, we were talking off air about what I think is one of the weirdest ones: uh, a board member of Luke Oil, another energy giant, uh, Alexander Subotin, who was who officially died from a drug-induced heart attack during a uh, psychedelic or shamanic shamanic ritual. Uh, for everyone listening, playing along at home, that's the official explanation of the Russian government is that this guy went and did, um, you know, a spiritual journey kind of thing and had a heart attack. The other explanation is that he was purposely uh, killed with poison from a toad. Can you tell us a little about that one? Yeah. I mean, it doesn't even sound real, does it? When I, when I, <laughs> I, I send that to uh, uh, Sophie Lichterman, the, the producer, um, and she was like, are you like, are you serious? I was like, listen to it. <laughs> just, just listen to it. You know what I mean? I was like, no, I actually am serious. Like it's, it, it did sound ridiculous. And to be honest, as wild as it sounds, when I started out with that one and me and Sergio were investigating and talking about it, I thought this is actually the coincidence one. It is wild, but it's too wild to be real. And then by the end of it, I actually really kind of did a 180 on that. I, I, well, I'm, I'm, it's up in the air, but it would have been a very good moment to get rid of him. You know what I mean? And this guy was a very heavy drinker, clear alcoholic by all accounts. This isn't just like propaganda. Like a lot of, you know, people close to him were saying this. And it's almost as if they were like, ah, I mean, it'd be very easy if someone just found out like, hey, that guy there, he's uh, he's, he's, he's quite easy to get. You know, he was on the board of Luke Oil when Luke Oil, sorry, I should mention as well, the reason the, the Kremlin perhaps might be mad at Luke Oil is because they're the second largest oil company. They're not state-owned, but they make billions for the Kremlin in taxes. And if you're making that kind of money, you're that kind of powerful in Russia, you know, the Kremlin has their hand in your back pocket. There's not much you can do. And basically, as soon as the war happened, as soon as Russia invaded Ukraine, Lukal kind of put this statement out saying, we don't agree with this, we want peace. And it was... Yeah, to some, to the West, it might seem vague, but in Russia at the time, at that moment, less than a week after the invasion, it was actually like pretty heavy. It was like them saying, yeah, we're against Putin on this. It wasn't that explicit, but very easy to read between the lines. Now, does Luke Oil care about Ukraine? Definitely not. I doubt. They care about their bottom line. They care about money. And Luke Oil has a lot of dealings with the West. Like I said at the start, Luke Oil is making huge profits now off the back of being one of the few oil uh, refineries still able to operate Russian oil in Europe. And 
okay, that makes sense. Now they've made record profits. But at the time, the writing was on the wall. Everything's gone to disaster. People are getting sanctioned. One of the heads of Luke Oil had to step down because he was getting sanctioned later on by Britain and various other places. So they probably thought, right, we're going to lose a ton of money right now. And these are very rich people with very high overheads and a lot of ego. You know, they've, they've built this con- com- company up and, it, you know, it's absolutely gigantic. They account for something like um, more than 2% of all the world's oil. Now, that might not sound like a much, but when you realise, like, you know, the amount, like, millions of barrels of oil a day in various countries going through, that's a hell of a lot of oil. So they're a huge company, and he was on the board, and he dies, and then another guy, the president, he dies, falls out of a window at hospital. It doesn't make sense. It's 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 just very big coincidences. Now, with, with Sabotchin, I feel like... Hmm, maybe someone said, okay, well, this guy, there's one we can get rid of. He was on the board. We don't know the insider info. Maybe he was instrumental in putting this statement out. They said, right, he's got to go. All right, well, what's he doing? I don't know, man. He goes to see shamans, which we explained in the episode is not that unusual for the kind of rich and wealthy in Russia. So they might have said, all right, well, he's going to a shaman. Yeah, but he's he's going to like this weird Western shaman that's like an amalgamation of like other shamanism. And they're actually, you know, they're, they're already involved with various kind of... Uh, pretty high-ranking people in Russia, like pop stars and stuff like this. Okay, well, we'll just switch the poison. We'll just lean on them and tell them to give them this. It would be actually fairly easy. Now you look at it. Okay, it sounds outrageous, but actually it will probably be one of the easier ones to do. Also, the guy's an alcoholic. He went there to try and get off booze. People aren't going to question it that much, you know? And he's taken he's taken frog venom. Like he He went for it. He wanted it. You know, it wasn't like he was dragged there. He went for it anyway. And actually, when we looked into these two so-called shamans, they got a lot of weird dodgy dealings anyway. There was already a woman that that launched a a kind of investigation or tried to launch an investigation into them because she said that they threatened to kill her and they attacked her. And in this basement, there's all this weird stuff that they have. And that was also corroborated by somebody else. And the police in Russia just didn't do anything about it. It just kind of went away. So that in itself is kind of curious, right? I don't know if we actually mentioned that because I think it was a little bit too tenuous for me at the time. But yeah, that happened. And and yeah, weird, very weird, you know, a very weird situation. Well, let's let's continue talking about motive because I'm really interested here to figure out like it's not about money, right? Because no, any of no. these individuals who die they're going to give that money to, you know, family members or it's it's going to go down the chain somewhere. Well, there is some circumstances in Russia, which we will get into, I think, later in the series because things have changed quite a lot and it's still kind of murky. It's a little bit unclear where it's at. But there is some circumstances in Russia where if your whole family dies or is killed, your money goes to the state. So, yeah. So bearing in mind that in the last 12 months, there have been three family annihilations. However, two of them, there are two remaining kids that just happened not to be there at the time. So maybe they got the money. But yeah, it's a weird one. It's something we're looking into a little bit further. But it's 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 a tricky one. I don't know. I mean, even so, I mean, two billion, like it's not nothing to the to the Kremlin. They don't need Got 2 it. billion. You know what I mean? So I, I looked at that as well. And at the start, me and Sergi were talking about this and I was like, oh, it's that. And then I was like, hang on, the Kremlin doesn't need 2 billion. What do they care about 2 billion? You know? Okay. It's a lot of money. Sure. They would prefer it, but it's, I don't think they were like, yeah, we're so strapped for cash. Let's kill everybody and accumulate the wealth of them. There's other ways to do it. I think. 
And there's a there's something else here too. Uh, that I think the family annihilation part stood out, and that that speaks to the inherent true crime aspect of of what you have to do in the journalism here, because these are crimes, even if they are portrayed as accidents. Uh, it might surprise a lot of people to know that the idea of falling downstairs or windows, death from uh, from a fall from a height, is a, a known and proven method of assassination in intelligence circles. With this being a known method of assassination, and with you know intelligence circles being kind of rarefied air, did you? Uh, did you have any conversations with non-Russian intelligence or anything like that to get their take on this? Well, the problem with that is I, I spoke to people, not like intelligence agencies, but people that know about that kind of thing. And I just feel like it's very much in their interest to go, yeah, yeah, Russia's killing everybody. Like, because, you know, <laughs> right, man. Right. And it's someone that works in an intelligence agency. It doesn't want to give you a straight answer. They want to influence what you do. My work, I really try to avoid all that kind of thing. Even analysts, sometimes a lot of analysts are in bed with various uh, intelligence agencies. And that's not like weird, loony Twitter conspiracy. It's very true. A lot of universities, a lot of think tanks that are independently funded, you'll find out, oh, along the pipeline, they're getting money from the US government or whatever. So to be honest, I really wanted to kind of avoid that. I didn't even like... I kind of didn't want to bring it in at all because I just feel like it's very easy for people to see this as my team's the best and just be like, look what those evil Russians are doing, you know, like very stereotypical. And I really wanted to avoid that side of it because I just wanted to be like, look, this is happening. This is this. It doesn't need to be a part of this football match of supporting this side and that side that is so popular on the internet. If I'd have done that, it had probably been maybe a little bit more popular because people love that kind of thing. But luckily it's done really well anyway. It was like at the top of the charts, like the first two weeks. I was happy about that. But I didn't want it to, yeah, I didn't want it to turn into like that kind of thing and any any intelligence people you speak to they have a vested interest in doing that even if they're retired you know once you're in that game you're never retired i don't really think and i just felt like yeah they're gonna say this that and the other oh yeah it's it's probably russia doing this and it's i didn't really feel like there's anything in there that they could add that we weren't getting from our own stuff and the best way was to look at it historically you know like on, the, on one of the episodes we had um scientist uh, Yovana Matsic, she was saying about how the Soviet Union perfected, they even gave it like a name, perfected how to kill people by accident with poisons and stuff like that. And I mean, that itself speaks a lot louder than I think an analyst with ties to the kind of DC circle job being like, oh yeah, <laughs> they're all monsters, you know? <laughs> right. And then that's, uh, that's another thing uh, that I do want to shout out. The experts uh, that you speak with, are are not the raw raw go my team kind of uh, <laughs> intelligence hooligans as no. it were. Yeah, the um, what, one thing that stood out to me is when you and Sergi are talking about a, a very specific type of knife that is found uh, in a in a murder scene, and then I was I was wondering in, in full transparency, I was wondering, well, how are they going to? go with this like how how much are we going to go with the knife and by god you guys hunted down uh experts on knife history yeah. of these specific of these specific blades could you tell us a little bit about that because it's that that also is i think investigation plus true crime there 
Yeah. Well, for me, believe it or not, that side of it has been easy because of Popular Front. So my platform, we focus on very niche details of modern warfare and underreported conflicts. And we're like the anoraks of the war reporting. You know, we our, our strapline has always been no frills, no elitism. And our idea was we wanted to break down all these annoying barriers that like journalists who think they're so important like to put up around this industry. And we wanted to bring in all these nerds and be like, hey, come with us. Like, you know, there's someone for everything. And I was asking around like our network. I mean, the team is, I don't know, there's like what, 10 of us, but the network is like hundreds, thousands, you know what I mean? So I was asking about like an other kind of network. I was like, is there anyone like a, you know, kind of, it's a bit weird, but is anyone an expert on knives? Like 10 people were like, yep, me. (laughs) So I was like, okay. (laughs) And we had like, in the end, it was really useful because, okay, we spoke to like one guy and we went with what he had, but we were able to cross-reference it with like three other really, really good kind of experts on knives and through all three of them, I, I was going to put them together. I was like, now nah, let's not talk to each one. Let's compartmentalize each one and then cross-reference it that way so they're not influencing each other or whatever. And through that, I feel like it was like a blind study, I guess, if you like, like in a very crude way. And through that, we really narrowed it down. And that's how in the end it became obvious, like, ah, it's this, it's this company, it's from here, it's from here. And I liked, I, I really... I put that all in the episode. It's episode one that because I wanted to show the kind of real time workings of it because that is such an interesting part of it. And it really, I don't want to gatekeep the investigation. I want it. I want to go, here's how we did it. And then anyone else, if they want to learn from that, they can rather than like, Oh, our secret sources. And you know, there's <laughs> right, obviously people sure. we can't talk about because of the tense situation in Russia. There's people that we, you know, I actually spoke to a guy yesterday who is kind of a Russian career criminal, to be honest. Um, And he was useful to talk to. And he was like, I can never go on the record about this, but here's what I think about this. Like a vor? Like a thief-in-law? Not quite. Uh, No, no, I know what you mean, but not quite. A little bit more higher, I think. I mean, he's a businessman, but, you know, he's quite open about his, he's a naughty boy. And anyway, but that, <laughs> yeah, that, but that was really useful, you know, and, and I was like, well, how can we explain that? And some things you can't, you can't, sure, we can say who we spoke to, but we can't get him to explain something and I can't say it because then it will expose who he is. So there's a lot of really difficult things, but where we can, we try and say like, hey, this is how we worked it out. And with that, we're going to take a quick break, hear a word from our sponsor, but we'll be right back for more sad oligarchy. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long for just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. 
With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast from Ruby Studio in partnership with Intel. Explore the future of technology that's rapidly evolving our world today with the help of AI. There's still so much work and research needed to fully understand the power and potential of AI. And Intel is at the forefront of implementing AI and revolutionary technology that's changing the world we live in for the better. In each episode, Graham interviews the minds transforming medicine and healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more while pioneering new uses for AI in these spaces. So tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we've returned. If I can shift gears slightly to the whole scientific community aspect of it, um, it reminds me of like, you know, Chernobyl, for example, where there are scientists within the Russian government who want to tell people about this, you know, nuclear meltdown. Mm -hmm. um, But the government is basically like, no, this didn't happen. And it didn't happen because we say it didn't happen. Uh, And that is the line that we need everyone to follow. And if you don't, then, you know, woeful things will happen to you. And also, there was a really great documentary on Vice, um, and I've read about it elsewhere, about this city in Russia called Asbest, where they actually mine asbestos and it's you know people get sick and have cancer but no they don't that's not true don't worry about it everything's fine and and in the doc they interview scientists who say that they're scientists say no it's fine it's totally safe everything's okay um and anyone that says otherwise you know obviously would be terrified to speak on the record uh would be in fear of their life can you just speak a little bit about that like kind of tradition of information control and that leads to things like this yeah, I mean, it, it's not Soviet Russia. It's not as bad as that. And there are adversarial papers, even now, against Putin that are, maybe let's not say they're allowed to freely operate, but they do operate. And, you know, Medusa's an excellent one, although they did get closed down in Russia and they're now, now been accused of being like foreign agents. So maybe that's a bad example. But it's very restrictive. But before the war, it was a little less so. And now the, with the Ukraine war, it's just a different fever pitch. You know, you can get like 15 years in prison for just being against the war or like organizing a, a peaceful protest of like two people. Ironically enough, Britain actually has a very similar law now called the police crime sentencing uh, law, right. which is crazy. And it's like akin to like Russian or Turkish style authoritarianism. And everybody's like, this is fine. But anyway, uh, <laughs> Western values for you. But um, yeah, so they, since the war, it got a lot worse. Like any of those weird laws that you'd maybe been like able to skirt around, or as long as you don't say that this thing, they'll let you go. They're kind of really more hardly, like more more firmly enforced now, if you know what I'm saying. They were always there, but the journalists, they knew, okay, we can say this, but we'll draw the line here. We have to just maybe let's not say 
he's corrupt. Maybe let's say someone close to him was involved in the corrupt. You know, there were ways around mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, self-censorship, but we have that. That's a part of the journalism industry now, especially even in the West. You know, like my platform, we have to censor everything we do. Well, we don't censor what we do. That's why we're now censored by social media companies. So I don't think it's like just Russia that has this, but it's Russia that it has it in the most kind of easily understandable form, if that makes sense. Where, like you said, people literally have to lie bareface lie on camera depending on which role they're in now your everyday man on the street can go yeah yeah that, that the scientists are lying yeah people are dying they're probably going to be fine but the scientists involved can't you know what i'm saying and if he well he can but he might find out in six months that he's fired or he dies or something so it's a very weird situation right now and it's not just like from the top there's all different factions fighting about stuff it's not always necessary information it's not just that the info's out there, it's how will that affect my bottom line for this company? Oh, they've told them this. Okay, well then we have to kill him because we're not going to get the, con you know, stuff like that. Or we have to silence him. So it's, I think some people see it as this like column of evil at the top that, that stamps down on everyone. It's not quite that. It's just, okay, don't get me wrong. Like, you know, censorship is, is awful anywhere it is. But but my point is it's, it's, it's endemic in all different parts. And, and it's like, okay, well, we need to protect our business interests, so we need to stop him saying that. Oh, well, if he says that, he's going to make this guy look bad, and I'm not, not going to be able to do that deal. Or, you know, and it, it, it then it's like a domino effect, and it's it's from the top, They're but it's everywhere. Different stakeholders, right? Yeah, exactly. And it, it's, it's almost worse like that, right? Because you don't know where it's coming from. Yes, the state has an iron grip, but a lot of other people to, do no, too. to your point about a lot of this stuff not being uniquely Russian, I mean, let's not live under any illusions that the U.S. government doesn't assassinate inconvenient people. Oh, yeah. Know? Or, <laughs> yeah. I mean, come on. It's yeah. just a little less brazen or they hide it a little better or whatever. Well, the, but, I, the idea over, is yeah. America doesn't do that anymore. That's the idea. It's like, Bull. come on. Yeah, come on. <laughs> yeah. okay. In 20 years, there'll be a report coming out like, oh, look what they did when they said they didn't do it anymore. Uh -huh. um, once the right guy, uh, once the right guy has had his fancy pants state funeral, right, right, the, right. the expose rolls out. There's something, there's something else here that I think a lot of our listeners are, have already connected just from our conversation, but let's talk about it a little more directly. So, what we're seeing is internal chaos. Uh, the even you know post uh, post USSR collapse, there was a new regime, a new era. I did drop the word kleptocracy, which some people might object to, but I'm right. Uh, yeah, the yeah, yeah. Uh, the uh, there was a sort of unification of things, uh, but. This changed. There was a fever pitch uh, and chaos became widespread domestically. I think this this new regime got upended when the war in Ukraine goes hot. We see an uptick in the deaths of these oligarchs, these associated people, um, even, you know, unto academic scientists, etc. And we have to ask. Is there a correlation there? Did the uptake, like you mentioned Luke Oil's statement, right? Did the uptake in um, conflict, the beginning of, of, the, of the Ukraine conflict, did that trigger the deaths of these oligarchs? Or like how related are these deaths? That, that's a great question. I don't really have a clear answer. I think it's been used as an opportunity to do it if it is done like that. And I think also it's brought up some 
issues that were already there that have kind of had the nerves bared out. And so people are like, ah, yeah, okay, right. That's We're at the point now we have to deal with this right now. I think that's happened. And there is some people that have said, oh, well, why are you doing this? It's been going on for ages. It's just, you know, it just seems worse. Now people are looking at Russia because of the war. That's not true. There's never been a correlation like this. It's that many? No, not not like this. It's like when people say, oh, well, the world has been warming up and getting colder ever, ever since time began. Yeah, that's true. But then look at how fast that has happened in the last 10 years. Okay, it's very clear there's a difference. So without the context there, it's kind of, it seems like, oh, well, this has always been happening. But with the context of like, no, not this quickly, not this many, not this closely connected in the last nine months, in the last year, and so many three family annihilations in the space of nine months, all people connected. When I spoke to the expert on family annihilations, I didn't tell her that to the end. And she was like, what? Nah. <laughs> She's like, I've never heard of that happening. And it's an extremely rare situation. So I think I think it's a bit of both. I, th I think maybe more attention is on it. Maybe the West are paying attention a little bit more because of the war. But at the same time, there's more happening. I think because of the war family annihilation. I mean, that just seems like just the most aggressive retribution to make an example yeah. out of someone. Right. Or is there something further? You said you were looking into the idea of the state getting the money, but in the examples that you saw, there were a couple kids that, that, that survived. What do you think? Like is, is family annihilation just like this is us really making an example out of you? Is it about what people in the family know? Like what, what do you think? Mm, I, I think if it's, Someone came in and killed the whole family and then staged it to look like murder-suicide. If it's that, I believe it's, like you said, the latter, to, to make an example. Look what we'll do to you. It's very mafia-like, right? It's it's. Oh, yeah. You think about it, oh, I can't believe that. But if you put it into the context of like, well, look, this is like a mafia, which is what oligarchs are, essentially are, you know, they were connected to and all of them kind of came about through like a very murky Wild West period within the, the collapse of the USSR. A lot of them were criminals. You know, a lot of them got their tokens, got their money through criminality. Yeah, definitely. Like very mafia-esque thing to do, right? Kill everybody. Now you'll learn. Like, you know, like who's going to come against us? Okay, if someone says, oh, I'll kill you. All right, well, I'll take the risk. If someone says, I'll kill your family. Yeah, it's, that's the next level, right? Like it's, it's the most precious thing. And I think that, but then the other side of it could be, well, maybe this is a coincidence. Maybe, you know, the kind of people that do this stuff are generally very wealthy, power-hungry men. And maybe it just happened to be that three of them, all within the same kind of circuit, happened to do this sure. all within the space of nine months. And that's Buy a possible. ticket. Right, it's possible, but uh, I think it's more likely. Well, I don't want to say it's more likely, but I think it's also possible that it was a, a sign. And I don't necessarily think, yeah, the Russian government went, yeah. So, like, it's, it's not like Putin sat there stroking a cat going, kill the whole family. <laughs> you know, yes. like, right, right, right. like, it's not like that. It, it, it's, I think it's just various oligarchy circles, mafia-esque groups have said, right, make an example out of that guy. It'd be an open secret. The, the, like, it's not like they need to leave a calling card. Right. People would just, you know, if you know, you know. Yeah, right? and if you talk to, like, maybe some of these people involved in, like, oligarchy circles, they consider it like, oh, yeah, that that's that's definitely, that's what that was. That's, that's what that <laughs> yeah. was. They're letting us know. They're letting him know. Yeah. And, okay, you can't really take that word as gospel, but that's what they see as, yeah, often. All right, just to stay on organized crime for a second, and this is a potentially really dumb question, Jake, so here it comes. Uh, one of my favorite movies that's come out in a couple of years is this Bob Odenkirk action movie called Nobody. And yeah, in worst it, film I've seen in a long time. Oh, come on, I loved it. It was so <laughs> much fun. Zero, zero stars. 
Are you serious? <laughs> a stain on his career, I believe, yeah. No, oh, no. I, hate I hated it so much. Oh, <laughs> yeah. no, I loved it. I loved seeing him do that. Uh, that. I think that's really where the joy came from. But in that movie, one of the major plot points is this thing called an uh, ob obshack. I don't know how to say it correctly. Yeah, obshack. Yeah. Uh, no, yeah. it's like an obshack. Obshack. It's obshack, which is like umbrella organization for moving money in a criminal way. Well, in that movie, it's weird. It takes it as in the actual giant amount of money that is, you know, made on in black markets in some way or illegally, and it's kept somewhere. Have you seen anything like that in your research, like something that exists in the criminal underworld of Russia? I mean, it doesn't, not really in that sense. I think, I mean, that is a real thing. Yeah, but it's not really like that. I mean, it's not, that was a, it's like every Russian in that, film is like just finishes eating a baby before they speak you know it's one of those yeah. like ridiculous caricatures it's not yeah. like that i mean everyone has these pools of dirty money hidden money i mean putin himself is worth like 100 billion or something how <laughs> you know how it's off the books though yeah right? exactly yeah. off the books mm -hmm. right you know he doesn't that make castle? that yeah like that's not his um it yeah it, you know they've all got these various schemes but you know everyone does i mean everyone i mean look at the panama papers you know, that wasn't just Russia by any means, you know. If, if you're a multi-multi-millionaire involved in these kind of businesses, you got some dirty money somewhere, you're doing something illegal, it's how it works, you know, it's it just is how it is. And you get away with it, you know, you completely get away with it. There is, I think, one person got prosecuted directly off the back of the Panama Papers, maybe more than that, but it's it's compared to how many people in there, barefaced, caught, red-handed, basically nothing happened. And they know. Of it, course. You know? Yeah. Well, consequences are... Uh for the peasants, right? As ever. Right. Yeah. yeah. And depending on which political side of the room you're on, you know, you either get, I don't know, arrested or you get a podcast. It's it's very much who you're <laughs> it's very much who you're kind of like involved with in all countries. I'm not talking about anyone specific. Sure. <laughs> it's just it's just, just like anywhere you are, you know. You're on fire with the quotables today, man. Um, I'm just saying, you know, depending <laughs> on where you are, depending on who you upset or who you make happy, you're yeah. gonna come out of it well or maybe fall out a window. That's true. And there's something else um that you talk about uh you and Sergi look at something that I think a lot of people in the West have forgotten about. When these deaths occur, one other one other aspect of this that lends credence to the idea that these are not a series of ridiculous, you know, Rube Goldberg-esque final destination accidents, but purposeful homicides, one thing that makes it that really lends authority to that is you talk about this almost Stalinistic tendency of the Russian government to scrub these guys from history. Like to what, what, what did you say? Like the record of their roles in places or careers are, is that really happening? And to what extent? Yeah, that, that is happening more. Like we saw, so one guy that was, you know, made a load of money for Gazprom, his whole career there by the, like he, he died in a suicide, which in itself was weird guys from Gazprom security turned up in black Jeeps and literally pushed the police out of the crime scene. So the Gazprom security somehow had more authority than the cops. And his records were remo removed, like basically like within 24 hours of him being dead from Gazprom records. Wow. And at the time, this was at the start of these kind of killings. And at the time, the Gazprom actually gave a statement and said, oh, well, we thought it might make his family upset. 
No, I think it would much more likely make the family upset that he was basically wiped from the record of the place he worked at for decades and was very proud to work. Um, and then the scientist, that was before he died, actually, but like a lot of his records started getting removed because he, I don't know, he was removed by his post from a guy that really had no place being there. He was not qualified. He cheated on his exams. And for some reason, the government put him in charge and then this other fella, his stuff was removed. And then, you know, a year later, he falls down the stairs and dies. And then another thing that is making the series hard is we've noticed as these things progress, a lot a lot less is said about it in the media in Russia. At the start, there was actually, even the Russian media would be like, oh, this is kind of weird. You know, this <laughs> is weird. And now it's just like, as it goes on, you, we, have, we have like a timeline that we work from. Well, I might release that actually. It might be useful for other people that are looking into this. But um, we I'd have love a timeline. Yeah, and as you see, as it gets on, the more that happen, the less and less and less details go out there. You know, and I think maybe someone has said, hey, yeah, okay, we, we get it. We're doing this if they're doing it. But, you know, we need to not make this so obvious, perhaps. I don't know. Or just because of the brain drain from Russia during the war, reporting has got worse. That is also possible, you know. But I, I don't think that's what it is. I think it's, like I said, the more that happened, the less details seem to be out there. Uh, that was going to be one of my last questions for you, Jake. The yeah. uh, uh, I think it's Sergei Protosenia who was in Spain with his family and, and they all died. Just... I haven't seen anything on that since the initial reporting. And I just wonder, like, if you've got any updates since even making your episode. I mean, the police have just kind of said, like, look, we, we think it was was as it is. And that's it, really. It, it's very tricky. I mean, everything's kind of open. Like, even this new one we're doing, uh, Dan Rappaport, the, the police in, in Washington, D.C. closed the case. But even they said, look, if any tips are out there, we're very happy to open it up again. You know, the cause of death was undetermined, so we don't know, what, you know, but I, I I, don't know. It's And people seem to think, well, oh, well, that that means then it's it's actually you just jump to conclusions. Well, no, if you actually look at how many murders really go unsolved, there's loads, loads in, in America alone. I think Baltimore's um, like solving murder rate is like 30% or something crazy like that. So, yeah, it happens all the time. So it's not unusual that the police just go, ah, we don't know, I'll close it. And that that's with murders. Someone that looks like a suicide, it's you're even more likely to just go, eh. You're not going to go, yeah, guys, let's get our small squad of officers embroiled in an international plot, perhaps, and, you know, direct all our resources. Nah, you fall out a window, he's dead, whatever. You know, it, it is how it is. So it's nothing like insidious that, oh, they've been told to drop it. No, it's just the way it is. It's closing the books, right? Exactly, it's the, exactly. it's, it's resources versus yeah. the system. Yeah. And th there's another related question here, too, about safety. Um, and it reminds me a bit of some of our earlier conversations when we're talking about uh, QCO or QAnon and conflict journalism uh, with you a number of years ago. It's no secret, Jake, that you have been in some pretty hairy situations before. You know, uh, and uh, and you are familiar with that. That is a world in which you have lived. Have you or any of your team heard from direct representatives of aspects of Russian governance? Have you or your team ever felt that your own personal safety was at risk as a result of these investigations? Um, not really. I mean. People did say to us, oh, you're not worried about this? Oh, you're a madman. Like, why are you doing it? Like, I don't think... Firstly, the Russian government has probably no idea about this podcast series. 
Secondly, they probably wouldn't. Why would they care? <laughs> you know, yeah, if, they, right, if, they are doing, if they're doing this or whoever is doing it, I've done it so sloppily that someone like me is able to like basically work it out with my friend. Yeah, they're, they're probably not going to care. <laughs> you know, right, if right, anything, right. they might be like, oh, I'm glad someone's seen our handiwork. Um, and if it's all a coincidence, <laughs> they're going to care even less. They're going to be like, look at this fool. Like, this is, we're not even doing this. And he's, you know, put two and two together and got 10. Um, so I don't really think, you know, I, I think people like me, it's not really, it's fine. I mean, Litvinenko, yeah, Litvinenko wrote a book called uh, Blowing Up Russia, in which he kind of proved that Putin pretty much almost directly from the top from his office were orchestrating the apartment bombings in Russia, which then led to the invasion of Chechnya and all of that stuff and the wars that started. So that obviously is going to be a big deal. You know, that is obviously going to get you poisoned. Me being like, yeah, I think these weird coincidences, we're just putting the information together and, you know, we have various this and that. Yeah, I think I think it's probably fine. I mean, I'm sure that if we manage to get some kind of like, I don't know, <laughs> you know, like on camera of... Putin, you know, oh dropping boy. some frog venom in your martini, <laughs> like maybe then I'd be in danger, but it's just not yeah. how it works. And I do think, you know, people do have a tendency to blow things out of proportion, especially when it's Russia related. If I was Russian, I'd be in a lot more danger, I think, you know, and oh, yeah. Sergi's not Russian either. And that's why we're not having actually any people in country on the record, because I, someone was like criticizing me for that. And I was like, yeah, do you know what will happen to them? they're going to be in serious trouble. I'm not saying they'll get killed, but they're going to be in trouble. It's not, no, we're not in the process of, yeah, well, that will make our podcast even better. No, we're not getting people in trouble like that, you know? So we even had someone like uh, we were talking to and in a, in a completely under, unrelated thing, but she was, um, well, it's for this series, but she was telling us that her cousin was like, you know, anti, anti-war and she was a little bit worried about even giving us information about some stuff that she knew about. And... As we were talking, he she found out he'd like been arrested. You know what I mean? No, nothing to do with us. It was just because he'd been found. You know they were looking for him. So even being anti-war is getting people arrested. It's just not something we're gonna do to be like, oh yeah, for the sake of the podcast, let's put people at risk. But you know we've had really it's, we've had some really interesting conversations with people. I have specifically with people in Russia that I don't know. There, there's a there, there is a real there's a whole different side to the place. You know it's not. Not everybody is even for this war. Not everybody is 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 just living with it and thinking it's okay. There's a lot of people there that really hate this stuff, you know. And, you know, they can't just exit. It's not that simple. So, yeah. But, um, no, I, I don't think we're in danger. I mean, I say that if you find out, like, oh, yeah, Jake Hanrahan fell out of a window soon. <laughs> oh, I no. didn't fall. I'm, I'm not that clumsy, you know. We got uh, you. Oh, yeah. yeah. Dude, we, the, we, haven't uh, even, yeah. we haven't even asked you about Wagner. Like, I can't that believe was we didn't talk about one. that. Are you serious? Yeah, of course. Fergosian and all that stuff. Like, my God, dude. But How uh, crazy was that? <laughs> so we, uh, this is where we know that we're onto something as, as a group, and we're counting you, fellow conspiracy realist here. Uh, the show Sad Oligarch is ongoing. Jake, uh, Matt, Noel, I think we've got we've to gotta, uh, pull, 
we've got to pull in Jake to talk about Wagner at some point yeah. as well, you know, well, Niger I mean, and so on. Well, maybe could we give a few minutes to it now. I mean, oh, we can, yeah. that, 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 when that thing was reported, it was just so confusing. Like even when we first were reading about it, it was like, what's, what are they doing? And why is this like a flex? Like, like what exactly can you describe that situation as you perceived it, Jake, and any updates that you think are, are pertinent? I, uh, it was just such a bizarro situation. Did you hear that? <sighs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's convoluted as hell. Up until until they actually started shooting, I was like, "This is an op. Like, this isn't real. This is some kind of nonsense." Um, I still think that to some degree, but I don't know. There's there's people a lot like smarter than me that will that will be able to work that out. But I think it's, I don't know. They're doing all weird stuff in Belarus right now. They seem to have just been allowed to like continue operating they're talking about sending more people to russia uh, to africa right now there's a lot of wagner in russia uh sorry wagner going from belarus to africa that were previously in russia so i think it's i think it's i don't know you, you're gonna have to i think in the next year a lot more of that will become more apparent but right now it's i don't even want to really think like say what i think because it's so confusing i don't know <laughs> you know mm. but i don't mm-hmm. i definitely don't think it's but as it's straightforward something. as it is. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's There's something, something very, very odd. I, I personally think this is maybe orchestrated between Progosian and Putin, actually. I think there's ding, maybe ding, a ding. whole play going on. But maybe uh, people are a lot more clued up on it than me. Would be like, don't be ridiculous. And they're probably right. So who knows? <laughs> well, glad, glad it wasn't just me that thought the whole thing was yeah, yeah. bizarro world. Like, I'm like, what is this? I don't understand. So speaking of, we'll definitely keep things, an eye on it together. Yeah. 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 Uh, with your work on Q clearance, are you super stoked about Tuesday, November 5th, 2024? That's the presidential election here in the U S uh, it's the, it's the election. Yeah, yeah. Are are you super stoked about the next election in the U.S.? No, I'm not. Really <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I just I, I kind of um I kind of got tired of it. Wow, Got it. That's a, well, 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 that's it's making a comeback over a, here, Jake. That's a very <laughs> they're American making the rounds again. Yeah, tired. Being tired yeah. of the election is a very American thing to say, Jake. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think that counts I, I as just your passport. After the Q clearance stuff, I just like I just like zoned out. Yeah, yeah no, it's, it's, it. it's fatigue for sure. But, but then there was such a lull, you know, like it's like, okay, he's everything's gone away. Everything's normal-ish, you know, not normal really. But now it's like he's on TV, he's on all these podcasts saying all this crazy shit, like he's going to run even if he's in prison. And honestly, what would stop him? What would stop there's him from running from prison? There's, not there's no law. law. Yeah. So long as he's got <laughs> jokes. Like, yeah. There right, we go. Right. Oh, he's he's like, got well, all the jokes. Here's yeah. my fix. I know we got to get out of here. Uh, here's my fix. Yeah, though, I'll go, for, go to six. Sorry. Yeah, for the U.S. budget. Um, make the trial pay-per-view. You know what yeah. I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah, definitely, yeah. Treat yeah, it like the theater amazing. it is. I'd pay uh, for so, that. So Jake Hanrahan, the new show ongoing is Sad Oligarch. However, this is one, uh, this is only one facet of the many, many projects that our pal Jake does. Jake, can you tell folks where to learn more about not just Sad Oligarch, but the continuing work of Popular Front and uh, where people can follow and or contact you? Yeah, yeah. Thanks very much. Um, I mean, if they just go to my site, so it's just jakehanrahan.com. 
uh, H-A-N-R-A-H-A-N. They'll just see links to everything there. Same with Popular Front. Uh, the best way, probably for the Popular Front, if you go to popularfront.cc, it's just like a list of links to everything we do. We make documentaries, uh, we've got podcasts, we've got a new magazine has just come out now. Um, we're really proud of that. So yeah, we've got everything going on. We're independent media platform focused solely on war and conflict, but we come at things from a little bit more of a different angle. We kind of... From the from the point of view of the people, I, I like to say, as opposed to governments, put it that way. And we're not like hyper political or anything like people always want to label us as this. That no, we just don't like people's heads being trodden on, and that's it. <laughs> you know. Nice. Thank you so much. Thanks for being again here, for your time, man. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Really appreciate. Usually. it. Sorry, I just got a Sorry. dash. And that was our pal. Uh, that was our pal Jake. Every time you know, every time we talk with Jake, he's in the middle of something crazy. You know what I mean? Yeah, he always comes to us audio only, probably because he's somewhere that doesn't even have, like, you know, the bandwidth to transmit video. You hear your pop- pops and crackles here and there. I mean, it really does feel like you're talking to somebody who is on the inside. Um, and he's on the inside, whether physically or just his his brain. He's a really <laughs> smart dude and really thoughtful and uh, always a pleasure spending time with him. I, I talked to him one time. And I was like, just check it in. We we're just chatting. Like, hey, man, how's it going? He's like, I'm in these French protests. Yeah, <laughs> I said, "Oh, cool!" Like I, I fell asleep trying to put on a pair of pants. Well, I mean, you know, obviously Brexit has made this a little more difficult, but that is one benefit of, of living in, in Europe is like you can bounce around between all of these widely politically different places and culturally different places and, you know, be able to just really see this incredible swath of humanity. Um, whereas here in, in the U.S., sure, there's changes across the country, but it's a little more homogenous overall. But uh, I'm really amazing that someone with the smarts uh, of Jake is able to, to do that. Yeah, I mean, guys, I'm sorry, I'm still reeling from the whole family annihilation aspect of some of this episode and just this uh, topic. It really like put me in a dark space. Um, but, I'm reeling on the way you shut down your favorite movie of the year. I bro. know that was that was painful. It's a stain <laughs> on his career. Damn. <laughs> I, I thought that, that gave me. It wasn't high art or anything, but it was a fine little jaunt fun. of a picture. That yeah. gave me a laugh. That's like, that's, <laughs> no, these are no, the kind was. of people that we like to hang out with folks. The, the people that are top in their fields still, as you can tell, Jake is an incredibly humble dude, uh, puts himself in a lot of situations uh, and does this to bring stories that the public ordinarily might not see without being controlled and if you listen back to this conversation spoiler you're going to hear a lot of a lot of threads that we refer to that jake referred to that are rabbit holes all their own so uh do do feel free to dig in i um I got to say, there's so many questions we didn't get to. I'm glad we talked a little bit about Wagner, but I really want to hear uh, what he's talking about with Niger, because you, yep. uh, you guys have been looking into that, right? Um, oh, France said they're fine to intervene and oh. help, help out. They're, oh, the French can't fight. Oh, they're they actually really I'm good. Just joking. They're nasty. I'm joking. But yeah, I'm joking. They um they fight dirty. Well, yeah. they they're always glad to provide democracy to their biggest source of nuclear material. <laughs> it's what we could say. I don't know. All right, we've got a little long, but uh, we hope you enjoyed this one, folks. We hope you tune in uh, for future episodes and 
conversations like these, we're going to be looking at a U.S. naval cover-up. We're going to be talking about aspartame. We had we got a lot of stuff uh, going on, and we actually we also recently got a great letter from law enforcement about why celebrities tend to have better investigations into their deaths. Uh, Tune in to find all of that and more. Help us. You're the most important part of the show. Give us those new leads. Take us to the edge of the rabbit hole. Uh, You can find us all sorts of places. Um, Probably not in Russia. I don't think we're going to get through customs. But you can find us online. You sure can at the handle Conspiracy Stuff on YouTube. And yes, that's what's called Twitter. Uh, Conspiracy Stuff. Also Facebook. Excuse me. I think Facebook is still Facebook. Uh, And also you can find us at Conspiracy Stuff Show on Instagram and TikTok. Do you like using your phone to call people and leave voicemails? Well, we've got an opportunity for you. 1-833-STDWYTK. You've got three minutes. Say whatever you'd like. Give yourself a cool nickname and let us know if we can use your name and message on the air. If you'd rather send an email, hey, we've got that too. We are conspiracy at iHeartRadio.com. Stuff They Don't Want You to Know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert to buy now. Attention, true crime enthusiast. Searching for a way to unwind after diving deep into the mysteries that keep you up at night? Look no further. Introducing Lazarus Naturals, your trusted companion for CBD relief. With a commitment to transparency, Lazarus Naturals oversees every step from farm to doorstep, ensuring purity and quality you can trust. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today and discover how CBD can help you decompress and recharge for your next investigation. That's LazarusNaturals.com. Lazarus Naturals. Your partner in unraveling the mysteries of true crime. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts.